Welcome to the California Wireless Association podcast. We are proud to say that Kawa has been advancing the wireless industry, helping businesses grow, fostering connections between people, and impacting lives through the charities we support for over 10 years. We'll be coming to you bi-weekly with new topics, education, and lively discussions. Let's dive right into today's topic. Please welcome your host, John Coombs. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the California Wireless Association podcast. I'm your host, John Coos. I'm a senior vice president at Butler America Telecom and a CALWA board member. CALWA is a nonprofit association for people working in and interested in advancing the wireless industry in California. CALWA uh, brings a unified voice to the wireless industry as we find ourselves facing the uniquely challenging marketing operations and regulatory terrain of our state. Today, we are joined by a CALWA legend, Lynn Witcher. Uh, Lynn is a past president of CALWA, current board member, actually, she's still on the executive committee, and the president of the Women's Wireless Leadership Forum better known as WWLF, which is our topic today. I'm eating my words. Long weekend, everyone. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Lynn. Thank you, John. Thank you for your kind words. I, I, I'm not sure that uh, that I, I deserve uh, such a kind introduction, but it sure is appreciated. Thanks for having me on. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true, but I love your humility. Thank you. And thank you for your service. And we're going to get right into all that. Uh, but, and before we do, and before we dive into WWLF, let's talk about you. Um, aside from your essential volunteer roles at WWLF and Kawa, you are the general counsel for MD7, and you've been there since 2013. So I'm not sure if the 10-year anniversary has happened yet, but it's happening soon if it hasn't. It but, has in February. Yes, that marked my 10 years. Right on. That's a, that's a, that's that's a journey, and it's commendable in this environment where people uh, sometimes uh, bounce around. So I commend you for that. And um, so, and prior to that, um, those of us who have worked on Verizon real estate work are well. Uh, familiar with McGuire Woods, McGuire Woods, a law firm, and you worked there for 12 years. I did. Yeah. So so you've got some really long-term chops in the wireless industry. And as an avid listener to this podcast, I know you are ready for me to ask you about your wireless origin story which is akin to your superhero origin story. Um, One of my previous guests, your friend and mine, uh, Stephanie Whitlock, on her LinkedIn says, (laughs) wireless Wonder Woman. And so, but with all the work that you've done in the field, like you certainly are a heroine in wireless yourself. So tell me, how did you get into wireless? Yeah. So, and by the way, if your listeners have not uh, had a chance to check out Stephanie Whitlock's uh, podcast uh, interview, it was fantastic. I highly recommend it. Um, And I sent it to um, the founder of MD7, Michael Gianni, because he did get a shout out from Stephanie. So, Um, (laughs) that was a a fun one. She was a hoot. That was super fun. Yes. Um, So, uh, as you mentioned, I started at the Los Angeles office of McGuire Woods. Um, Actually, I started uh, at that firm in 2001. So, for folks who have been in the industry that long, you might recall that at that time, um, the firm was Vanette and Suzumoto and Beckett. So, I Mm -hmm. do, yes, I I was uh, an attorney there at that time, but I wasn't doing wireless. So, I started in 2001 as a litigator, um, which is, you know, 
it is a passion of mine and I really appreciate that practice, but, um, you know, uh, well, we'll get to that later. But so I, I was a litigator. I, I wasn't very familiar with the transactional group doing the um, the real estate for Verizon. And so, you know, we would have questions like, you know, when you go to law school, you you might think, oh, I will be a trial attorney. I'll be a, you know, a sports agent, you know, kind of like traditional uh, legal careers. But telecom uh, telecom law attorney was not one that we had at my school in any event. So, you know, we would ask the litigators were like, Hey, what is it that this very large, very busy group, um, does? And they would say, Oh yeah, they work on cell tower leases. And I have to tell you, um, in 2001, I didn't know what they were talking about. I mean, I had a cell phone, but I, they were, I did not know what a cell tower looked like. And they would be like, Oh yeah, you know, those fake trees. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. There are some giant fake trees. And they would even like tell me like, Oh yeah, it's 405 right here. And, and Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I, I couldn't imagine it. And, um, and I know other guests on your podcast have said this as well, as well but the litigators at McGuire Woods thought, yeah, that's going to be a short-term project, maybe mm-hmm. 18 months. And I'm like, yeah, why do you say that? And they're like, well, how many cell towers do you need? They'll just connect coast to coast, you know, and uh, they'll be like billboards and then we'll be done. You know, they'll, they'll put mm-hmm. those up and we'll be done. And here we are in 2023, we're still building out. The industry uh, is, you know, still working on new site builds, right? So um, what did we know back then, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point um, I got married and I, I wanted to go in house. And so uh, I thought, hey, I need a change in career. So uh, I transitioned to a transitional practice, transactional practice. The largest practice we had in that office at the time was uh, working for Verizon. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I picked up telecom and uh, I've been it been in it ever since. Um, at the time I was making my transition from um, litigator to transactional lawyer, I had two choices. Uh, I could choose healthcare, which also is a great practice with um, a lot of job security or telecom. And um, I made that switch in 2007. I had just gotten the iPhone and I thought, you know what? Um, I think this is going to be really cool to marry tech with uh, law. Um, so I, I picked telecom and I haven't looked back. Well, obviously, yeah, good run, good run. Well, uh, it's good to enjoy what you're doing, and obviously you do, um, or else you wouldn't be such an advocate for the industry and all your uh, your part-time volunteer gigs, which we'll get into. But the um, let's talk about MD7 for a second, because, you know, we got to give shout-outs to the organizations that allow people like yourself um, at least some time in the workday. Most of it's probably after hours, but... Uh, they, they, they leave it up to you to navigate all that. But like, let's talk about MD7. What does MD7 do um, and where do they do it for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with your scope? Yeah. So MD7 is a digital infrastructure consultancy. Um, and what does that mean? Uh, so we have expanded our services from telecom. Um, to connected infrastructure, uh, and that'll include EV chargers, information kiosks. Um, uh, we have a project management tool that we offer as software as a service, and we even do a, a landlord management hotline. So if you call uh, certain carriers um, talking about a missing rent check or whatever, uh, you could have MD7 uh, pick up that call. So hmm. we do have quite a bit of um, diverse services that we offer, and, and, and that keeps growing. As for where we do it, 
San Diego is probably the office that most people know, um, but we uh, recently moved our headquarters from San Diego to Allen, Texas, which is where I am based. Mm -hmm. And then we have international offices in uh, Dublin, Dusseldorf, Hanover, Mm -hmm. Madrid, Malaga, and Maastricht. And we are in the process of opening an office in Rome. I've already told our teams that uh, the legal department will need to do an in-person inspection of our office in Rome, but uh, they don't seem to be taking me very seriously about that. Well, they should, because you are the general counsel. And I'm going to ask you what that means in particular um, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with the term, um, I I am. But uh, before I do that, I'm going to have to say, well, you don't have to wait for Rome. Um, I highly recommend Madrid. It's a party town. It's a super awesome metropolitan city. Have you been there? So I have. So recently um, I went to Barcelona last year for um, Mobile World Congress. And then we were able to pop over to Madrid. So it was fantastic. And our employees there are really amazing. It's great to see. Um, we work so hard on our corporate culture um, internally. I know as you as a, a business owner and just kind of knowing the reputation core had, especially, um, you know, culture matters. And so it's really great to see that same culture uh, across the pond, if you will, um, you know, living in our international employees. So that's that awesome. Great. Yeah. So, uh, and as general counsel, I'm guessing you're kind of touching everything from contracts to, ad hoc sort of zoning advice, probably, you're probably, you probably touch everything on the legal front. Am I guessing correctly? It's true, especially for a company of our size, like we're big enough to have a lot of diverse issues, but we're small enough that a lot of that ends up on my plate. So uh, the best of both worlds, I guess, uh, is how I like to look at it. And there's some memes where um, uh, there's a lawyer, you know, who will say like, you know, and there's kind of a play often like with the sales folks just in their interfaces with legal or whatever. And uh, there's one where one of the sales guys say, hey, tell me every single law. And the lawyer's like, that's not how it works. Um, (laughs) But that's how it feels sometimes for me, um, because people will just kind of, you know, um, present something to you that uh, you don't have individual experience with. And I think um, for, I I know we have a lot of lawyers who are CalWA members um, and in the telecom industry. And so if you're working at a law firm, you're thinking about going in-house, I think one of the biggest surprises that I had is how much you, and you know, how quickly you have to give advice. someone will email you a contract and they'll walk over and they're like, Hey, have you had a chance to review it? I'm like, no, it's a hundred pages. Like I got it five minutes ago. I cannot. Um, but that's the pace, right. That you have to, um, work in. And it's just, it's interesting how I think my job is really more making sure that we stay, you know, we, we navigate around legal challenges as opposed to being in a law firm where you, your task might be to identify like all of the risks and to be complete in your analysis. Like I'm not able to do that at the scale that, that we operate in. So I'm just mostly um, on the search for landmines and driving us around it. Right on, right on. Cool. So let's talk about the Women's Wireless Leadership Forum, otherwise known as WWLF, of which you are now the president. Is that a a two-year term? 
two-year term. Yes, I, there is a potential that I could um, extend my term, but uh, I'm only three months in, and so I'm not <laughs> sure that's even an option. Well, let's, let's, we'll, we'll, I'll ask you in uh, like 20 months or something and yeah. see how you feel about that. But no, uh, let's talk about WWF. I mean, I've been to some of your events. The people are great. I've interfaced with your predecessor presidents, um, but let's talk about WWF. How long has it been around, and what is its uh, sort of... 30,000 foot mission and um, objectives. Yeah, absolutely. So WWLF was formed in the year 2000. So we have been around for 23 years. Mm-hmm. I know, pretty pretty impressive. And in the beginning, it was just 25 women. And they just got together and they're like, hey, we'd love to support each other. Um, let's formalize an organization and, and see w- what we can do. And early members, I just found this out today. One of the um, founding members was Liz Hill of American Tower. So oh, cool. she's another, yes, industry legend. But, um, you know, we are very lucky to have some really talented women in telecom and they're very thoughtful and they're givers. Um, I think telecom is, is a great industry in general just for how great people are at supporting each other. And we see that on the Cowall board. Uh, but WWLF um, definitely is another avenue for women and men, quite frankly, uh, nationwide to connect um, with other folks in the industry. So um, today we're a thousand members strong and growing. Uh, we actually ha- are talking about potentially um, expanding the footprint of WWLF internationally. Not that we would start a chapter in Spain or Italy or anything like that, but we have companies like MD7, like SBA Communications, American Tower, et cetera, et cetera. They're US-based companies with international offices and when you look at, you know, working with these corporate partners, working with their employee resources groups um, and creating programming, you know, we don't want to exclude folks uh, who are in other countries. So I think mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just naturally an evolution that you may see with WWLF. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to do that in my term, but we shall see. So um, our motto is keeping women connected. And that's a play on the word connectivity, uh, both from a telecom um, sense, but also from a networking sense sense. And, you know, as you would expect, we've got a ton of educational programming. Um, We've got a great mentorship program. We actually have like a VIP mentor program, if you will, which we call our our fellowship program, which just has um, a ton of additional benefits. Networking events. If you go to shows like ConnectX, I think the WWLF networking event is one of the can't miss uh, events of that conference. And we're pretty proud of that. And if you go to uh, our events, they are not women only. In fact, I think if you go to the Connect X event, the it, it's probably close to 50-50 uh, male-female uh, representation, which is also really nice. So we were doing that before that became the politically correct thing to do. Um, but uh, it's been great. We've, we've got a ton of, um, you know, champions, regardless of gender. Uh, and then in COVID, we started pushing a lot more virtual events. So every first Monday of the month. So today we're recording on the 6th of March. So we had this this morning. We um, kick off the month with a motivation and mugs. So it's just an hour. It's really 45 minutes, uh, informal chat, just kind of figuring out what's going on, um, what's top of mind. Today we were talking about 
all of the um, professionals in transition just um, because, you know, they're in, in a project-based industry like telecom, you have ebbs and flows in work, right? So supporting our women through that transition. Um, we also have book reads. I mean, we just have a ton of events going on. So I think that keeps me pretty busy. Oh, and I'm sorry, there's one new initiative I definitely want to mention, which is our C-suite series. So I think our organization has been really great about creating programming for uh, entry-level women and folks kind of like um, mid-management level. But how do we get those women uh, prepared to be vice presidents and mm-hmm. members? And it's different, right? Because early on in your career, you're focused on being really good at tasks and um, completing your deadlines and maybe kind of managing vendors or something like that. But as an executive, uh, you need a you need a different skill set. And it's so easy, I think, for people who are transitioning as rising VP members, it's so easy to hold on to the task-based work, not do enough of the, um, the strategic thinking. So mm-hmm. we're looking at that and, and creating some new programming there. So I'm really excited about that. All right. So, you know, so... 23 years ago, and I'm sure you didn't uh, time your to your presidency with a potential 25th anniversary party, but um, you will be probably president around that time, which will be really (laughs) cool. But 23 years ago, I mean, let's be honest, right? If you and I were both around in telecom back then, um, different kinds of roles, but you know, it was it's easy to be said that maybe in 2000. There's still a lot of good old boys, very male-dominated um, culture. Um, I've noticed that the needle has moved, which is great. I've always been a proud of my support for um, my female employees. But have you seen – what have you seen over that period? What is what is your take on um, the, the role of women in wireless uh, since the beginning of uh, uh, the, the organization's founding? Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, in the last 23 years, I think um, women have uh, had a greater seat at the table, um, which is really exciting. But I do want to give a shout out to CORE because when I worked with your um, workforce back uh, so over 10 years ago, um, you had some really amazing women leaders. So I'm not sure that I will remember all of their names, but so more recently, um, Ashley Winery, Arij Rajput, who's on our um, Calwa board, um, who else? Like I'm drawing a blank at the moment, but even before then, I remember Jenny Benaz. I remember Michelle and Patty mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. their last names escape me, but yeah. you know, core, I think is one of the companies where you, I feel like actually almost everyone that I worked with at core was female except for the <laughs> owners. Right. Um, so yeah. So, so kudos to you. I, I it still uh, leaves an impression with me over 10 years later. So I, I appreciate all that. you did Oh, there. thanks. I appreciate that. Of all the people you mentioned, actually, Jenny's don't, she's still with us, but she's the only one that I didn't bring into the industry. So I'm pretty proud of our alumni core out there. So uh, no, no pun intended, but thanks uh, for, for recognizing that um, back then. So um, you touched on, um, the mentor program, which I, th- I think is central to the mission. Um, what is, let's round that out a little bit or add some meat on the bone to that a little bit. Um, what does that look like? How does someone become a mentor as well as a mentee? 
Yeah, so uh, the mentees uh, were, were generally pretty flexible. If you've been in the industry five years or less, you're, you're welcome to uh, apply. And, you know, you have professionals who have switched jobs, you know, um, from other careers. You know, maybe they were teachers, maybe they were executives in other spaces, but they're new to telecom. So you can be um, considered for our mentorship program. Because we're national, we're able to place you um, with a more senior leader, uh, hopefully in your market. Um, um, but within your practice area. And so that has been um, that has been pretty great. And we have some uh, women who are serial mentors. They're just um, always available to invest in that next layer of leadership, which I really appreciate. And honestly, I think this is needed now more than than ever. You mentioned um, a few minutes ago that there are more women in telecom than there were before. I think that's true. But the other thing that we have to really look at is um, women are also leaving the workplace at a greater level than men. So, um, you know, McKinsey's done some studies on this. Um, you know, it's in Forbes. It's um, Deloitte has done some studies and they're calling it like the great breakup. And I don't know if, if that's mm-hmm. a great name for it, but that's what I'm hearing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's especially pronounced after COVID. COVID. Um, you know, women have taken on a huge uh, portion of the at-home work. They're also um, they're also working, perhaps working uh, from home, um, juggling um, home and work. And um, if they're leaders, they're investing a ton uh, in their workers. And you know, women tend to be really great at um, connecting with their um, teams um, at an emotional level and to understanding, you know, what they need, which is all really great. But I think it can be over. Overwhelming. So I think programs like the mentorship program, whether you are uh, a mentee or a mentor, just having connections outside your company, I think it's critical because it's too easy to just kind of get siloed and to just focus on work. I mean, the telecom work is so intense, you know, with these marathon deployment calls and, you know, um, ever-changing demands, right? Like you could do something totally perfect and, the, and you know, the project direction changes last minute and you've got to go into a different direction and it, it gets pretty hectic. So um, I think these programs um, are invaluable. Yeah, no, you touched on something um, about the women, women, um, um, some are leaving the workforce. Um, I think actually this week in I don't know, Abu Dhabi or something, there's a, a big conference, um, uh, Know Your Value. It's led by Mika Brzezinski of MSNBC. And I think Hillary Clinton's going to be there. And I was watching a segment on that just, I think, this morning or Friday about that topic, about this great breakup thing, about mm-hmm. how how um, women have ch- either chosen or have to or something. There's just been a shift and um, it's, it's, it's been no, it's been quantifiable as you, as you, as you said. And, you know, I think, you know, the way I've looked at it over the years and part of the reason why I think a lot of women worked for us um, is in part because I think long ago we recognized that women, especially young mothers, um, you know, Amy Sinan has been with us for mm-hmm. since 05 and, um, and she, that right around the time she started having children and stuff that we recognized that someone like her, um, I don't care if she's necessarily eight to five, if she gets on email at 10 and, and PM or whatever is it, and, and she's got a good work-life balance with her young children and stuff that it, it works. Um, 
and maybe some organizations post COVID or during COVID, maybe were a little rigid. And I, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, have they kind of determined what the the reasons are? Yeah. So um, what they're saying is that um, they're 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 hoping that some of this great breakup is attributed to highly accomplished women actually being very much in touch with the boundaries that they need to create healthy work life balance. So in some ways, you know, very high profile exits in politics. Um, you have the Scottish Prime Minister um, who has resigned in the um, New, New Zealand. Zealand. Prime- yep. 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 Resigned high profile exits from uh, Silicon Valley, including, you know, Cheryl Sandberg, um, Mm -hmm. Marnie Levine um, from Meta and then um, from YouTube as well. Um, And they're saying that it's a good thing. Um, But I think that unfortunately, the rate at which that we're seeing these exits is somewhat... um, you know, concerning, which is why I think you have these high-level women like Hillary Clinton um, and Mika Brzezinski talking about this, right? Because the ratio is two to one. For every woman that is rising up to uh, the director level or above position, you have two women leaving. And, and that percentage is, is somewhat concerning to me um, because, you know, we work too hard uh, to get here. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how will we, I, I, you know, the effects, not just, it's not just about like, having representation for the sake of like being a a good corporate partner, right? I mean, this diversity, whether it's gender diversity or cultural or ethnic diversity, I mean, it improves the bottom line of companies. There are a ton of studies that say that. So this is going to have a huge impact on um, the, you know, how competitive uh, we are uh, as an industry um, and as individual companies. So I am a little bit concerned about it. What is great about telecom is you know, you have these women that have worked from home for years. As you mentioned, you know, if you're a project manager and you're able to do your work from home, um, you know, we've been a supporter of that, you know, way before COVID. Mm -hmm. And so telecom is on the one hand, a great place for women to work. um, But on the other hand, um, you know, we, we, we still have a lot of work to do to make sure that um, we have inclusivity at, at the highest levels. Yeah. And I also, and this is probably a whole podcast episode, but so we won't go deep into it, but despite the strides, uh, this isn't specific to telecom. Hopefully telecom um, is an anomaly and I don't have any information on that, but after, even after all these years, the the evidence is there that um, women still aren't making the same amount of money as their, as their peers in the same organizations, which we, so we still have a ways to go. Right. And maybe that's part of the reason why they're saying, you know what, I've been, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to, I'm tired of this, uh, trying to break the glass ceiling. I'm just going to, um, I'm going to create my own environment. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I don't know. It, it is kind of regretful, but but I do think that there is hope. So studies have said um, potentially the reason why women um, maybe haven't negotiated for, for a comp to the same level as men is they didn't have access to information. So maybe they don't have friends that are, um, you know, in their industry or in their peer group or whatever, or they just don't ask. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the, apparently um, part of the pay gap is attributed to um, a gap in information. So so I think that, you know, with um, with uh, resources like Glassdoor and other kind of changes at the um, legislative le- uh, level, I think that, that you will see changes. 
Yeah, yeah. And I guess just closing up on that and circling back to that um, know your value um, um, organization is that when I hear when I hear uh, people talk about it, that women, um, for whatever reason, whether it's the cultural upbringing of um, female roles um, in you know as as children and and how their mothers were or how their grandmothers were, they they just don't advocate for themselves as much as they should, right? And mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe that's part of your mentoring is that you've got to tell people, look, you know, don't be so. Um, forgiving on your salary compensation or your uh or your benefits or or maybe whatever you need to to succeed because um i think a lot of men have no problem <laughs> right it, it's <laughs> it, true it could be cultural it could be just these gender norms of what's built socialized into us as children Anecdotally, I think you as a business owner and, and me just in my role, I do see uh, anecdotally a difference between um, what some folks are asking for and others. And so the more that we could do podcasts like this, webinars, you know, just kind of peer groups, uh, whether in an organization like WWLF or other great organizations, I think they are really important. Um, yeah. Absolutely. All right. So we're coming close to the end of our time. We've covered a lot in a short period of time and on, a, on important topics and the work that you guys are doing at WWLF. You mentioned ConnectX. I'm going to put these things in the show notes and links to these things, but let's remind people when ConnectX is. I will have to look it up, but well, it well, is in May. <laughs> while you do that, I'm going to state that Wireless West, which I think you'll be at, I hope, is April 26th through 28th at, at Red Rock in Vegas. Um, and then when is uh, ConnectX? ConnectX is May 8th through 10th. So at ConnectX, we will be offering a panel on preparation for the C-suite. So definitely check out WWLF there. But I do want to give a special shout out to the Wireless West Conference because we've been able to do something really cool with that conference. So in the past, we've had a WWLF um, panel where we do a presentation typically on something related to career development or something like that. This year we'll have a really cool presentation on um, uh, understanding how to pivot in kind of um, difficult uh, times, but we're actually working with the speakers committee of, of wireless West, not just to have a WWLF panel, but for every panel, um, we have said, hey, if you need a speaker, come talk to us and we'll see if we can find you an expert within our membership. So I've really appreciated the opportunity um, to work with that conference. And I hope to do more of that and highlight our thought leaders. Awesome. No, I, I, I had so much fun last year in San Diego. Um, I, it was, I think it was like a coming back party in some ways. And yeah. the event was just so well done. And and uh, I was fortunate enough to moderate a panel, and I'm and I'm being threatened with moderating another panel, which I know I'm actually I'm super excited about. I, I would I would I would um, disclose the topic, but I just want to make sure I don't get ahead of my skis. But it's a really cool, cutting edge topic. So yeah, and um, and then uh, everyone else. I mean, you know, look look out look look out for Kawa um, news events if you go on the Kawa.org site. Sign up to be a member. It's free. It'll automatically get you on all our our, our email blasts, which is the events, as well as um, the webinars that we're going to be doing more of this year. And um, and uh, you can find WWLF. At, I think it's a WW 
lf.org, right? Is that correct? Yes, and, that's we're gonna, correct. and so we're going to put this all in the show notes and stuff. And again, Lynn, thanks for doing this. And I appreciate all the, all the vocational service you provide our industry. It is, it's not just fun and games. There's hard decisions. There's uh, when you run an organization, there's, you know, finances and P and L's and it's not all just mixers and stuff. There's to, to do a really good job. You gotta have um, strong organizational um, things in place to make the place successful. So thank you, Lynn, for all you do in, in wireless generally. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. All right. And to everyone else, stay safe out there. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you back here in two weeks. Until then, for more information, visit calwa.org. That's www.calwa.org.